That's the sound of me prepping the grill with Reynolds Wrap. And the sound of me not doing dishes. And the sound of me spending more time outside with my family. Easy prep, cook, and clean. Make time with Reynolds Wrap. I like the sound of that. Even long weekends are short, so why spend a second of this one on a drink run? Instead, get drinks delivered right to your door with Drizzly. Drizzly is the easiest way to find the best prices on beer, wine, and spirits, so you can get back to lighting those totally legal fireworks. Download the app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Because the long weekend will be over before this ad is. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Another episode coming your way of the New Evangelicals podcast. All right. On this episode, I have Dr. Yancey, Dr. George Yancey, technically, who wrote the book with Ashley uh, Quizick, One Faith No Longer, The Transformation of Christianity in Red and Blue America. I got a copy of the book. I read the whole thing. It's very fascinating. Um, they their, their position in the book is that essentially... Um, progressive Christianity and conservative Christianity are so far apart, they should be categorized as different religions. Um, and they also talk about how, according to their research, um, uh, conservative Christianity is more centered around having, quote unquote, the right theology, and progressive Christianity is more centered around having the right uh, maybe social justice views or or more political views. Don't think political in the way of like I voted for Biden, but more of of, of things that that would benefit society. So I brought him on to talk about it because I'll be honest. When I first heard about this book, I read about it in a Gospel Coalition article, and they pretty much used this book to 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 say, look progressives are more political than conservatives, which is not the case in, in, in a lot of ways. And Dr. Yancey and I go over that. Um, anyway, I really enjoyed this interview. It's very informative. I, I enjoyed what, what he had to say. So I hope that you enjoyed the podcast. That being said, as always, thank you everyone for sharing the podcast. If you could continue to do that, sharing the podcast, um, giving us a rating, it just, it really helps us get um, into the ears of people who might be looking for a podcast like this, of people who are committed to Jesus, but but trying to find new and fresh ways forward. Of course, if you want to support the show, you can do that by clicking on the link in our show notes. All the money goes right back into New Evangelicals. It helps us with our production costs of the podcast, helps cover my time, helps cover other things for the community. Your donations go directly to helping out other people, um, you know, in need, so to speak. And and we are they are grateful for it, and so are we. We do nothing behind a paywall, friends. Nothing. We don't have extra podcasts behind a Patreon account. We don't have extra access to help behind a paywall. We give everything away for free as a, as resources to people who are hurting and who are in need um, as they go through some form of maybe deconstruction or are just kind of um, fed up with the evangelical church and want better ways forward. So thank you to everyone who donates. It really helps us. All right, friends, without further ado, here's my episode. Well, Dr. Yancey, thanks so much for joining us on the New Evangelicals podcast. I'm sure you're very busy. I appreciate you making time. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. 
Absolutely. You wrote a book um, called One Faith No Longer. It's written by George Yancey. That's you and Ashley Quizick. And it's the the transformation of Christianity in red and blue America. And I think it's safe to say that you argue that, that based on some of your findings and research, that really progressive Christianity and conservative Christianity really should be ca- uh, categorized as like different religions. Is that is that fair to say? I think, yeah. I guess the core of what we're arguing. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to be very transparent with you. All right. Here's how I found you in the book. So someone sent this to me via um, a Gospel Coalition article, and they really kind of took some of the stuff and made it. And the way that they painted the picture was, see, progressives are more politicized than than conservatives. And I'm like, I'm not a fan of this. I'm going to look into this book, and I'm going to you know pick it up, whatever it is. And I read it, and I'm like, you know. Upon reading the book and thinking about it, I think you make a lot of valid points that I never really considered before. And I think that yeah. that, that your research shows that, et cetera. Well, let me ask you this before we get rolling. What what was the catalyst for you and for Ashley to actually write a book like this? Well, I can only speak for myself. Uh, you know, Ashley had done her own work uh, separate, and then we sort of pulled it together. So I can only speak for myself. Gotcha. It's based on really on another article. Uh, that I'd worked on, and I was looking at how academics perceive conservative Protestants. And this gives a surprise to me because, and I think when things come as a surprise to me, I kind of like it better because then my presuppositions is not influencing it. Right. When I looked at that data, which is only academics, I looked at uh, mainline Protestants and conservative Protestants. And what I found was that mainline Protestants actually ranked conservative Protestants below atheists and Muslims and, and, and non-Christian groups. Whereas the reverse is true for conservative Protestants. They rank mainline Protestants above those groups and just not quite as high as conservative Protestants. And that surprised me because up until that point, I had the mindset that I think a lot of people had mindset is that, okay, if you're a Christian, you may disagree with other Christians, but at least they're Christians and they're part of your group. Hmm. But that showed me that that was not the case for mainline Protestants. And so this got the question in my mind as to what was happening here mm. and why this was occurring in this way. I think the political finding, which I know is getting a lot of play on more conservative websites. And, and, I, and that's one of the findings that I'm not going to walk away from that. Now, I'll be happy to discuss that and Great. defend that if necessary. But to me, that was not, that's not the core of what I want the book to say. It, it, it helps fit into what I'm trying to do. But the core of what I, I think, what I saw that day, begin to see that day was that there is this sort of split that's there that's much more deeper than people give it credit for. Mm. To the point to where I really come to the conclusion that, the, that what we call progressive Christians, the way that I've operationalized it, and conservative Christians really are becoming two different distinct religions. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Um, okay. I, why don't we start here? Um, first off, why don't you kind of give us your background for the audience? You know, what is your background? What got you into the field that, that you study, et cetera? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I'm a sociologist. Uh, I, I actually spent the first 15, maybe 20 years uh, as an academic. I, I, I look younger than I am uh, studying racial issues. And focusing mostly on racial issues. Hmm. Um, probably about 10 years ago, I went away from that because I really got curious about issues surrounding religion a lot more. Hmm. Uh, I, I am a Christian. Uh, by my definition that I, that I use, I would consider myself a conservative Christian. But politically, I, I'm more in the middle. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so 
that got me study, wanting to study some of these issues. I've, I've written books on atheism. I've, I've written books on, on uh, cultural progressives. And so looking at this sort of divide between progressive Christians and conservative Christians kind of erupted from that. Hmm. Uh, I've studied uh, anti-Christian bias in society. Uh, and so it sort of was a natural pathway to then looking at this issue, which is the divide within Christianity. Hmm. That's helpful. And who is this book really aimed towards? Like, like, who did you have in mind when you were writing it? Well, it's an academic book, so hopefully it gets adopted in certain academic courses and, and that sort of thing. But honestly, I think I was trying to, and I don't know if I was successful or not, I was trying to say something to both conservative Christians and progressive Christians. Hmm. Uh, you know, you know, it is an academic book, and I'm not trying to be preaching on this book. Right. But I do think that the data says something to both groups that they both could benefit from. Yeah. And, and so, I, I'm, you know, trying to write a book that both progressive Christians and conservative Christians will appreciate, I think, is uh, a nice task. Well, I can't say I speak for every single person reading the book, but even um, even though I came into it with maybe a more um, a pessimistic perspective, I did enjoy reading it. I found it very helpful. Um, I, I found some of the findings provocative, and I was like, okay, you know. And again, I'm also trying to be better at challenging my own biases, right, and just letting let, letting the data that we're finding speak for itself. So, but let's start here, and then we'll kind of dive into some of the questions I have. How do you define in the book conservative Christians and especially progressives? Because you even make the point in the book Book that it's really hard to pin down what is a progressive right. Christian. Where did you end yes. up landing for the sake of the book? Yes. And, you know, so what do we mean by progressive Christian? Do you mean that a person's a Christian who votes for Democrats, or do you mean something theologically? And that's right. Right. And so there's there's different ways. So I'm not saying that this is the only way it can be operationalized. Yeah. But the way we decided to operationalize it was by theology. Okay. And so we use two questions. I, I've heard people say, well, you know, you can look at this and that and what have you. Fair, fair points. But what the research shows is that these two perspectives are highly correlated with a lot of other theological differences. Now, those two theological differences that I looked at was, do you see the Bible as the word of God? Or do you see the Bible as a, as a, as a holy book, a good book, but not necessarily the inerrant word of God? Mm. That's one division. The other division was whether or not a person sees Jesus Christ as the only way to salvation. Mm. Or do other religions or other beliefs provide ways to salvation? Mm. And so we use that as a criteria for separating the groups into either conservative Christians or progressive Christians. Mm. Because my thinking is that if you just start at the theological level and then look at larger differences, then you have an argument that those theological differences matter in other ways of thinking. And, And that's kind of what we found. Yeah, you know, that is helpful to have those kind of two criteria, and I appreciate, like you said, you know, there's not the, this is not the only way to categorize progressives. And to be fair, it is hard, because I've been told, you know, on my account, oh, you're really progressive. I'm like, I still affirm a risen Jesus, which a lot of my progressive friends don't, right? Yeah. So they're like, there's that way of looking at things. And, and I would say that while... I would say that, yes, the Bible is divine and, and, and is infallible. I would not use the term inerrant only because of the fundamentalist baggage that's picked up in my context growing up that, you know, inerrant yeah. means a literal six-day <laughs> creation, right? So I, I feel like a lot of people are kind of in the middle, but I, I think it's definitely a, a good way of looking at it. So, um, okay, let's get to some of my questions because I, I, I appreciate, again, that you're very fair in the book. Now, now, the research you pull from is from the 2012 election cycle. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. <laughs> 
And then you also pull from some blog posts of, of all different, you know, progressives and conservatives. And again, really, really great points. I think one of my first questions is kind of to get, to get one of the big ones from me out of the way. Do you think that 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 due to the 2016 and 2020 elections, some of this stuff is even murkier than maybe even we thought uh, based on 2012? Meaning, um, what, what I'm seeing is this, or I'll give you a great example. Kenneth Copeland. And James White, all right? James White is like, he represents everything that is like super fundamentalist, conservative, you know, Doug Wilson type. Kenneth Copeland's the opposite of that. They theologically disagree on almost everything, but I see them pushing the same anti-vax rhetoric, the same political rhetoric, et cetera. Uh, so I, I, when I read, when I started reading the book and saw the, the Gospel Coalition article that I first found, I thought, well, this isn't fitting into my categories of seeing also now more conservatives starting to align more over political issues than theological issues. Yeah, I think that's very fair. And since I don't, since I didn't use the 2016 data or the 2020 data that they've come out with, yeah, uh, you know, I have to be careful on how to say this. My suspicion is that the divide has worsened hmm. uh, 2016, and my suspicion is because of Donald Trump. Yeah, the divide has the divide has worsened. Yeah, and so what we see here, and once again, this is not something I've studied. So as I sure. talk about, I have to be a little bit ginger. I think we've seen a spat of, for lack of a better term, deconstructionist books come out sure. lately yeah. by people who are who are either former conservative Christians or conservative Christians who are deconstructing their faith yeah. uh, or speaking for those who are, if they're not doing it themselves. Right. And, you know, and I can give you some examples if you want. But I think that that is a somewhat of a reflection of the trauma that happened in 2016 uh, and some of the schisms that happen. And so my suspicion is that mm. that these divisions are worse than they have been. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I appreciate that. And again, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm really looking just for your oh, sure. wisdom as a sociologist, you know, because you study this way more than me. Um, and you see trends earlier than most of us do due to your your your, your line of work. And I would just want to say I I tend to agree with, with your suspicion on that. Obviously, I'm not asking for verifiable data, but I yeah. am one of those people who in 2016, right, saw the push for Trump, saw what was happening, <laughs> saw the murder of Maude Arbery, saw the murder of George Floyd and said, oh my gosh, something is wrong with my movement when I'm seeing pastors who I know retweeting Candace Owens talking points about George Floyd. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, my head is spinning now, right? And I think I think that is one of the reasons, and maybe one out of several, but I think in my, in my view, one of the suspicions I have of why maybe progressives view conservative Christians with more disdain than the, than the other way around is because a lot of, not everyone, but a lot of those people have walked out of evangelical conservative circles and are very frustrated with the amount of harm that in their perspective, those circles sure. are doing, you know? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we didn't measure, and I couldn't with the data set that I had measure whether or not a person had been an evangelical Christian yeah. in terms of progressive Christian or not. Yeah. And, and I think that there are some of that. And, you know, some of the qualitative data suggests well, it's kind of like, I mean, there's the old saying, the person who hates smoking the worst is the ex-smoker, you know? Uh, yeah. You know, the peop- uh, and this is a little aside, but, sure. you know, the people who hate Catholics the most are mm. ex-Catholics. Yes. Uh, so my Hispanic friends mm. who, are, who used to be Catholic and not Catholic are the hardest on Catholics. Mm. So I do think there is something to that. In other words, I think there's something that perhaps some of the uh, strongest animosity it well may be that even though progressive Christians on average hold Christian Christians more disdain than vice versa, 
that within that group, mm-hmm. and I suspect this is true to some degree, yeah. that there, there's individuals who are especially disdainful, and they probably are more likely to come from people who speak to certain Christians. Yeah. And that would not surprise me at all. Well, that makes sense too, because in the book, you 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 do a lot of study with how uh, both both camps view Muslims, the Muslim community, right? Mm-hmm. And you yes. make the point that that there were several people in the more conservative you know, camp of Christianity now who are maybe ex-Muslims who are very harsh, yeah. right, yes. on the yes. Muslim yes. community, uh-huh. right? And so I exactly. think that, that really rings true, honestly. Exactly, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, you're right. Now I remember that, yeah, that there's another example of that. And so hmm. so that, I think that that is, that is probably the case. I think when we leave something, and I think there's some certain, if I remember correctly, there's certain social psychological elements of that. Like, you have to justify leaving something. Hmm. And so your memory of it's going to make it probably worse than it really was i mean mm. i'm not i'm not trying to you know i don't want to like discount how, uh, the pain a person felt or like that sure but chances are just from social psychological that you probably are building up worse than it actually was and and de- and downgrade the good things that were there and upgrade the bad things because it helps to justify that and we're yes. all susceptible to that i mean that there's yes. nothing that's you know i think we're all well, I think that I think that is a fair point to a degree. You know, I, so I'm I, the people I deal with. Okay, our our social media account, our channels. We've gotten over ten thousand DMs this past year alone on Instagram from people who are really who have experienced major harm and trauma from evangelical conservative spaces. And so we hold space for that. And we are here to be a healing place as much as we can, you know, to help people walk through that because it's very traumatic, especially when you lose communities, you know, recently. Um, however, sometimes what we'll do is like for a, a question and response in our stories on Instagram, I'll say, hey, yes, we know, and I'm, I'm also unfortunately right now a casualty of this as well. We know that we've been hurt by these spaces and, and we're, no, we're no longer a part of them. But what was some good, get, you know, give me a few yeah. good memories. And all of a sudden yeah. we get all these DMs. Actually, I missed this. I missed that. So I yeah. do think you're right where it's like, yes, when trauma happens, you have to protect yourself. I get that, but I think that if we do some some deep dives, we can all look back on some memories that that were fond, right? So yeah. I I think it's a very fair point. Um, okay, I have a few more questions, and I want to preface these are not my questions are simply to have you explain a little bit more about some of your the comments in the book. They're not gotcha questions. I like sure. good faith dialogue, so don't take these any kind of way. That's not the point because I really enjoyed the book. So um, it says um, okay on page two hundred five, you made the point that progressives value modernist values and conservatives do not. Now, in my experience, what I wrote down was modernism teaches that we can know absolute truth, which seems to be more of a conservative value, not a progressive one. Was I misreading that, or can you unpack that a little bit more for us? Yeah, I don't think we meant modernists in the philosophical sense. And, uh, and maybe, okay. maybe maybe the way that we wrote it came across that way. Then that's that's on us. So I don't think we meant it that way. Uh, you know, what we're looking at is more the we're talking about modernists. We're talking about well, actually, you know, I know where that comes from. You know as you well know, that there was the modernist versus fundamentalist conflict in the yes. early part. And so when we're talking about modernist values, we're really looking at that, which is really more, more grounded in the notion of the social gospel mm. and reform yeah. and, and those sort of elements. Yeah, take care. So, uh, so, so, yeah, and yeah, so I can see where you could then take the modernist philosophical approach and say, oh, you know, is that where we're at? No, that's not where we're at. And that that's fair. Mm, okay, fair enough. Um, I kind of hinted on this <coughs> earlier. You know, you said that conservatives are not as politically centered as progressives. And then one of my points was, yet the moral majority exists, and the conservative evangelical vote is one of the one of the largest yeah. voting blocks sure, in America, yeah. right? So yeah. can you maybe unpack that a little bit for us as well? Yeah. Okay. So this is, here's the example I give in class. You know, Perfect. All right, men are taller than women. 
But most men are not as tall as Brittany Grinder. You know who she is. Mm. She's the basketball player, six foot eight. So even if what we're correct, I think we're correct, is that progressives are, are more politically charged than conservatives, it does not mean that, that there's not conservatives who are politically charged. Mm. Now, my suspicion is that conservatives became more politically charged in 2016 due to Trumpism, uh, yeah. however you want to describe that. But that's my suspicion. I don't have any evidence to, to show that this case, but that's my suspicion. And so right. we're seeing even more. And the moral majority has been doing this for a while. But you also have to remember the moral majority came out of a a Christian sort of atmosphere that was pretty apolitical. That right. was that was more otherworldly. You know, we're not going to get our hands during this politics stuff. Yes. And when you contrast that atmosphere to what the moral majority is, then all of a sudden it looks like the moral majority is this huge monster. Right. It's like if you go from twenty to fifty, that's a huge jump. But you're still at 50. You're not at 100. Mm. And so that's a way to look at it. Whereas the more modernists were already in this, you know, just using these numbers in the 60s or 70s as far as a political activism. Right. So, yes, there's definitely uh, a political engine uh, among Christians. uh, And I think the loudest voices get the, you know, get the, the play a lot more. And so. And they, and they have large numbers, uh, and they they uh, they vote very highly uh, towards one political party. So all those things factor in. So that is not to say that we can't ignore them as a political force. Obviously, we can't. But just per capita, they're not as playing engaged as progressive Christians. Hmm, that's that's very that's data that I have to still process. You know, because just only because my experience. Yeah. Is so different than that data that 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 you discovered in your research. And I grew up in yeah. in the machine, you know. Yeah. Kind of was always taught like we always vote Republican, we always vote, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in some of my and I, I want to preface, I am not a scholar, I am not an academic. So some of my amateur studies, right? Some of my reading of the moral majority and stuff, it just seems like to me that. And again, maybe maybe because I grew up in these circles, I know them better than more mainline Protestants where. I'm sure people have had the same experience on the other end, but it just seems like, like for me, a lot of what I was centered around was definitely theology, and then like the fruit of that was here's how we vote politically, which I think actually yeah, yeah. you you make the point that of that in your book where conservative um, Christians are really centered around specific theological claims, mm-hmm. while progressives are more flexible with with who's in and who's out theologically, but are more yeah. centered around maybe more social values. Is that a fair way of saying yeah. it? I think I think it's very fair. Uh, let me just say uh, as a way to as a data point to give you and your readers as to to sort of think about this. Yeah, it's absolutely true that there are some Christians that their religion and their politics were one and the same. Hmm. You know, that's, that's absolutely the case that there are some of there. Now, the question is how many and what percentage and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the chapter on the blogs, I think, is quite telling because yes. it really shows the schism among conservative Christians uh, with the Republican Party. And even if you don't read the chapter of the blogs, you just think about people like David French, uh, yes. you know, Nat, uh, was it Nat Nasworth, uh, you know, other Christians who are conservative Christians, and yet they're at schism with the Republican Party. It's hard for me to think of a progressive Christian who's at a schism with the Democrat Party. Hmm. Now, I'm sure that I'm sure there are people out there who, for example, we looked at pro-life progressive Christians. Right. And even though they disagree with the Democratic Party, 
they really don't challenge them in the same way as, say, David French does with the Republican mm. Party. And so I think you can see this more political diversity among uh, Christians if you don't just look at the ones who are, for lack of a better term, in the tank. They're there, but you don't see the same sort of critiquing of the Democratic Party by progressive Christians as you do with conservative Christians. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that when I was reading it. I was, I mean, I, I, you, you, you always try and match what you're reading to to some experience in your mm-hmm. life. And I think, I think I actually found one that kind of, um, kind of made me go, okay, I can see this now. So my own uh, pr- previous church, you know, everything was fine with my political views until I started being outspoken about some theological views on, on new evangelicals. Then there was yeah. a problem. When I started yeah. pushing up against queer inclusion biblically or how we view certain other issues, that's when it was a problem. Now, in that church, people who were, you know, Trump supporters, QAnon supporters, Black Lives Matter supporters all lived fine. But when I started talking about theological issues, then people started to get concerned about about, about my faith, so to speak. So I think that yeah. was that was maybe a moment where I could think I thought you know what on second thought at first I thought it might have been political but it really wasn't the 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 foundation of what I was pushing up against was more theological for them and because they have very specific boundaries drawn around those theologies and I hit that wall I was no longer yeah. welcome to be part of that group does that make sense Yeah that makes Perfect sense, yes. <laughs> it kind of backs up one of your statements. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, one of the main points of the book. Um, okay, let's see what else I have here. Yeah. These oh, are by the way, uh, I've also done some research on a different book where I looked at uh, where I looked at Christian colleges. Uh, oh. And what I find is that uh, Protestant colleges. What I find is that conservative Protestant colleges are more flexible politically than your average college. That they're more welcoming of different political perspectives. Mm. I mean, people think of it, you know, and there are some examples of this being the case, but your typical uh, process school welcomes uh, conservative, uh, conservatives and progressives, whereas, to be honest, conservatives are not welcome at a state school, you mm. know, if we're really being very honest about that. Mm. Uh, what they don't welcome is theological diversity. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, it, it's a different research, but it sort of reinforces my 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 claim that for certain Christians, it's about the theology, and they can tolerate political diversity, but they can't tolerate theological diversity. That actually does make a lot of sense because I'm even thinking about some of the more recent like Twitter things happening with with different people, you know. And it seems like a lot of I call them Theo Bros. That's my name for them, you know. Okay. Uh, I I find that a lot of those guys will critique people on theological grounds, even if the book they're critiquing isn't claiming to be a theological book. A great yeah. example of this is uh, the book that Kristen Dumay recently read uh, wrote, Jesus and John Wayne, which is really a mm-hmm. historical look at at how we got a lot of what we're standing on now with masculinity mm-hmm. and patriarchy, etc. And a couple of people have critiqued the book as not being like foundationally biblical enough, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, it's a historical book. It's not a theological yeah. book, right? So yeah. it does seem like 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 these circles are always trying to shoehorn, no matter what it is, something mm-hmm. into the theological world. Even more recently with, with like critical race theory, right? We have mm-hmm. people in, in these worlds who are writing books, like I have Vadi Bakum's book, um, Fault Lines, where he's really trying to change the discussion from a legal theory to a theological worldview. And people are mm-hmm. like, well, it's not claiming to be that, but maybe that's why they're so adamant about doing that because they have in order because the because theology is so central mm-hmm. to what they believe. I'm really I'm just spitballing at this point here. Um, you know yeah. m- that's why they feel the need to take everything through the lens of okay theologically how does this fit into a theological framework even if what they're critiquing isn't theological in nature. 
Yeah, and if you think about this stuff, this is also an opportunity because I, like, I have a friend who teaches sociology at a conservative Christian campus. And he said, you know, once I convinced my students theologically that racism was something we tackled and, re- and, and institutional racism was a problem, it was important, then I had them. If I didn't convince them of that, then they, you know, they will just learn and pair it and then move on. Hmm. And so once you understand this, you can actually reach people because you know that that's what's important to them. It's, it's the mind of the listener. And so right. that's kind of a way of, of looking at this is not just, a, okay, this is what they are. But if we want to c- convince them about something, here's the pathway in order to do that. Hmm. That is helpful. Um and it's tough for me because I, I, I've really walked out of that world and I don't want to really go back into having to prove everything biblically because sometimes the Bible just doesn't have answers to certain categories that we're dealing with. But I think you make a, a very astute point where now that we know this, you know, we can get through to people really in their own language, right? Everyone has yes. that, mm-hmm. which is yeah. helpful to know. So in your, in your view, in your opinion, based on your studies, do you see you, – you kind of mentioned that that in your view – even though you haven't studied this at length yet, the divide has probably gotten worse. Do you see it continuing just to get worse and worse over time with the way, you know, Christian nationalism, stuff like that's really rising now? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I really don't see a coming together, uh, coming back together, uh, progressive conservative Christians. I, of course, I'm not God and and things (laughs) happen. You know, obviously I'm I'm speaking as a human social scientist looking at at this sure but it's sort of like it's, it's like this way have you been in a relationship and you reach the point where you go where you said to yourself and the relationship went back which the point said you know i can't see a, a path back to her mm-hmm. i think that's i think it's that's what it is i think i think those yeah, i mean people who've been in relationships like bad there, there comes a point of no return to say you know whether it's my fault her fault whatever things have happened that i can't see a path back to her yeah, I think that's I think that's what's happened. I don't see that path because I think that the way they construct meaning is so different uh, that that I don't see how the groups find some sort of way of reuniting. And in fact, in denominations today, we're seeing a split happening. So yeah, yeah I'm pessimistic about that. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Um, I don't know how to get back and how to build bridges. And it's not about it's not about making enemies for us. You know, we're really big on not dehumanizing. You know, these people everyone's yeah. made in the image of God, et cetera. But it just seems like 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 our views of both theology and social issues are just so vastly different and only growing further and further apart. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think one example of this for me that was a moment of like, how can I go back to this was a couple months ago, a church in, in California, I said this example a lot, had uh, George, uh, George Flynn or uh, Gen- Gen- General Flynn, who's a disgraced general, he was one of Trump's guys, convicted of crimes, and Trump pardoned him. And now he's speaking at, at churches, and he was there at church talking about how we need you know America to come back to God, et cetera. The election was stolen, and the the pastors of the church came out on the stage with him and gifted him an AR-15 to a round of applause. I heard that one. And he took it and on the church platform says, and I have video of this. Man, maybe I should go down to DC with this to more rounds of applause, right? And so people like me see that in these evangelical spaces, and we go. I could never. I and I could never be a part of something like this that 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 might see that and then says nothing. I mean, no one talked about it. You know, I had to dig it, dig yeah. up and find it. And I think those are examples like that time and time again, on top of the really 
conservative media really taking over Christian language and kind of grabbing that group, you know, the talk radio hosts of the world. Yeah. We look at that and I go, I don't know what I want yet. I just know it's not that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I, I might agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for me, uh, I say this as a Christian, as a scholar, as a citizen of this country. Yeah. But I think what I hope for, since I don't, you know, unless God decides to do something, I don't hold out hope that's going to, you know, I hope that we can learn how to live with each other. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, to, to accept that our, this group exists, that group exists, we disagree, but we can live with each other and, and, and that sort of thing. Uh, I think that that honestly is the goal we should think about. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, the schisms are too great at this point. Hmm. As a sociologist, what have you found? Like, like, what are some of the breaking points that happen with groups of people before like things get violent? And I don't want violence ever. That's yeah. not a thing that any of us right. want. But we saw the insurrection. We see what's happening. You know, yeah. for you as a sociologist, what do you? What lens do you see that kind of stuff through? Yeah, you know, I've never really not studied social movements and social change to to know all the markers of that. I mean, sure. I, I see enough that I'm concerned. And to be honest, I'm concerned with both violence on both sides. Hmm. You know, I, I think it's a mistake just to focus in on on uh January 6th and forget about you know hmm. violence that happened last summer because you know uh it's not good whether it's done either way. Okay. Uh so uh so uh, and I am concerned about violence. I am concerned about violence. You know, no matter, you know, I just came to the conclusion a couple weeks ago, 2014, 2024. Yeah. No matter who wins, if a Republican wins. We're going to hear calls of voter suppression. Democrat wins. We're going to hear calls of voter fraud. In other words, no matter who wins, we already have in place justifications for nullifying the election and going our own way. Mm. Uh, that that bothers me. That disturbs me. I don't. I'm raising three young boys. Yeah. I don't want to raise them in a in a country yeah. where people are tearing at each other. Yeah. I wish I had the answer to that. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, I don't think there is an easy answer to that. Yeah. So I don't know, you know. It's a good question. We have an 18-month-old and I feel the same way. And we 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 one on the way and I'm like Hmm, what kind of society are we going to have in 10 years from now? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and and I, I do want to be fair, so I, I want to give you time to respond and, and, and give me your thoughts on the problems that you see in progressive Christianity as well. So we're going to get there. So hang on to that thought for a minute. <laughs> um, because I, I, it's important for me to be able to hear that stuff as well. You know, like sure. I, I tell my – we say often in our side – I don't want to, I don't want to become a fundamentalist all over again, right? And that's really easy to yeah. do. You know, it's easy to leave one fundamentalism to go to a different kind of fundamentalism. Yeah. Um and again, maybe you're maybe this isn't like your 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 main focus and you don't have to answer the question if you don't want to. Do you think though that again, I'm not a historian, I'm not a sociologist. It just seems like like forget who Trump was supported by. Forget that for a second. Just the person yeah. of Trump seemed to really push things to maybe a new level that I haven't experienced before. Yeah. Yeah. And and the election fraud thing was one that I voted several times. I'm 33. I've been around a little bit. I can't think of any time in history where it was that intense and that supported by so many people to the yeah. point where something like what we saw on January 6th happened. Did, yeah. did, any thoughts on that? And again, you don't have to answer. I was just kind of curious yeah. to pick your brain. Yeah, uh, you know, I think Trump is a very unique politician, if you will. Mm, mm. You know, I I had friends, uh, so there's still my friends, yeah. uh, who uh, who are Christians and Democrats, and they're for Democrats, but they understood why Christians vote for Republicans. Mm. You know, it's like, well, I disagree, but I understand. They could not understand Christians voting for Trump. Uh, they, 
he was, he, there was no facade that, there wasn't at least a facade that this is a good Christian man, you know, yeah. who, who I disagree with. The, uh, and, you know, I, as a Christian, I sh- struggle sometimes with why my friends voted for Trump, uh, mm. you know, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that he is a, and honestly, the, the, the situation, the vision that happened is not totally his, his fault. Mm-hmm. I mean, that existed pre-Trump. And yeah. anyone thinks, well, Trump brought all of this here, it's just for themselves. They're, right. they're, 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 they're exaggerating. But he has clearly made it worse. Uh, I had some hope that, uh, that maybe when he was the older president, that things might calm down. And, and, and there's still a chance that may happen. There's still a chance that some people may wake up and say, look, he's so bad. They even know there's something about how I like, I'm just going to jettison him out of the party. But to this day, to this point, that's not ha- happening. Mm. He's just made things worse. And so he is a uniquely polarizing politician. And, uh, and I don't know, you know, I, I don't know how you, yeah, how do you, how do you deal with that? Uh, unless somehow uh, he is taken off, off the stage. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and I don't know, I don't know how, I, I can see how that could happen. I just haven't seen it happen yet. I, uh, I was hoping maybe with what happened in Georgia that some Republicans would say, "Okay, we just got to get this guy, get rid, get you know, get rid of this guy." Yeah. Uh, that's not completely happened yet. Maybe maybe twenty twenty two won't be as good as they hopefully Republicans will go. Okay, we got to get rid of this guy. He's mm. really poison to us. Yeah. I think that's what it's going to take. And yeah. to get him on stage, and then we'll have our normal level of polarization and dehumanization. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, this, yeah, this right. extraordinary level of, of get back down to normal. Of just we're just dehumanizing yeah, our people. Normal dehumanization. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that it really is a great point, and it's something I wrestle with. You know, I really wrestle with that. I, I wrestled a lot, like I said earlier, with, with with people who I knew, pastors who were supporting someone who, uh, even on a on a on a sexual purity level, just missed all the marks. And I grew yeah. up in a church culture that taught me sexual purity was number one, uh, you know, so. Well, I was told we could vote for Clinton because he was a moral person. And you know what? I actually believe that at the time. And I still do, I still kind of believe that. I mean, I'm not sure. sort of someone perfect, but right. someone who cheats on their wives repeatedly, consistently, yeah. I actually take that person out of my consideration. I don't care what their policies. I take them out of my consideration because then I can't trust you. Right. So I was taught that with Clinton. And then when Trump comes along and goes, no, never mind. Yeah, I'm like, what's up with that? Right. And I really think that that's what that is in, again, in what we hear, that is one of the main ingredients into the cake of de, of modern deconstruction. You know, that yeah. is one of the people woke up and said, whoa, what has happened to my faith tradition? And I think that, again, it all comes back down to even what you say in your book, where I think that is one of the reasons why progressives, quote unquote, do see conservatives with more disdain, because we just can't, like, I can't find the logic. I can't find, I can't find the biblical theology for it, right? So it's one yeah. of those moments where I'm like, okay, pastor, help me see the biblical support for Trump. And they're like, well, Cyrus. I'm like, Cyrus, like, what are you talking about? You know, like they're just like pulling random things. I think that is maybe why I can't solve this Rubik's Cube, right? It's not like mm-hmm. I can say, well, biblically, I can see how you can how you can interpret those verses this way to make your case. Yeah. Instead, it's yeah. like I don't see any foundation besides the foundation of power. But again, yeah. I, I know that, that that I'm not here to have you beat those I mean, guys I mean, up. All, that's you know? fair. <laughs> I think all all that critique is fair, and I've I've offered my own critiques. You know, even though I still serve as a conservative Christian, right? I've offered my own critiques, my fellow conservative Christians, about why Trump support is not very 
Fair enough. So, yeah. what 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 are some of your critiques you think for for, the, for progressive Christians? Like like in your study, in in your research, what are some some blind spots that you're thinking? Hey, they should be on the lookout for this. Like they, you guys should be aware of this happening. I I think my critique for progressive Christians uh, would be to truly live out the values that they said they they want to live. Mm. Here's what I mean by this. Yeah. Uh, you know, progressive Christians talk about inclusiveness and love and tolerance. Uh, and I'm sure they've given a lot of sermons on hate. <clears throat> Have they given a sermon on hate where the target was someone who was a MAGA supporter? Because if you're talking about hate and you're only including such a minorities and people of color, well, that's probably not a big problem for most of the people in the congregation. And I just keep being reminded of the Samaritans and the story of the Good Samaritan and the woman at the well. And, and as a Christian, uh, you know, the, if you know anything about the Samaritans, the Samaritans were a half-breed, according to the Jews, group who were intrigued on it. There was a group that they really hated. Hmm. And so how are we supposed to treat the people that we don't like is how the Samaritans are treated in the New Testament. Yeah. I have to be honest, I don't see a lot of that with the professor Christians. Hmm. I, I don't, I, you know, I see, a, a, and, and maybe, you know, maybe part is they kind of, that they feel the need to uh, express what they've gone through and, and understand it to a, to a degree. Hmm. Uh, but I think as Christians, if we're supposed to be trying to do better then then uh, we have to question that. And so that would be my, my critique of progressive Christians. I, I joined a couple of progressive Christian uh, uh, Facebook discussion groups and just lay back and just listen to them as, and, and, and uh, honestly, some of the dehumanizing I saw there was hmm. so, was honestly, I have to be very honest. Yeah, most parts are some of the conservative Christian progressive Christians dehumanize conservative Christians much more than vice versa. Conservative hmm. Christians critique progressive Christians and say they're wrong. Progressive Christians say progressive Christians are evil. Hmm. I think there's a very big difference in there. And hmm. and and uh, if I if what I want is two groups that would have to get along with each other, yeah, to me that has to be dealt with, or else it, it just won't happen. So hmm. that would be my major critique for yes. I think that's a really fair point. I think it is easy to dehumanize the other. Um, I think even theologically, like, you know, we're trying to be a part of stopping the cycle of chaos on the world, not repeating the cycle <laughs> yeah. of chaos, right? Yeah. And I think once we dehumanize the other, um, it's problematic. In fact, I um, I just responded to a TikTok video because I have to be cool and hip in order to stay relevant these days. <laughs> um, and there's a video, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll tell you what it was. It was this guy who I guess was waiting in line to talk to Joel Olstein. All right, now I'm not a big Joel yeah. Olstein fan at all. And he yeah. grabs him and he goes, "Hey, Joel, it's on camera." And he goes, "Do you know that you're a piece of shit?" Right to Joel Olstein. And Joel like laughs and walks yeah. away. And the clip goes viral. Yeah. People are like, "Yeah, he's a piece of shit." And I'm like, yeah. I responded and said, "Okay." I'm not a Joel Osteen fan at all. His theology is problematic. They just found bags of money in the walls. Like he has major issues. But once we start dehumanizing and calling people less than the Imago Day, we're now repeating the exact cycle that we're trying to stop. And that's, I'm not saying it's easy. And as a white privileged man, I can't say I've ever had someone oppressing me in certain ways, right? So I, I, I get that. But we have to start somewhere, and and not in clips like that. I see. I'm like, it, it's you're not helping the conversation. Like that isn't doing yeah. us any good. Um, and I agree with you. We 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 have to stop 
um, the dehumanization, even when it's really difficult. And frankly, for me, being honest with you, George, it is really hard <laughs> when I see Trump and I see yeah. Lauren Boebert out there. You know, it's just like, what is happening? But it, it, it is the call of Christ, in my view. It is the call of the Christ, the Messiah, of a new way of being human that, that is not about devaluing humanity made in the image of God. You know, one way to think about it is this. Uh, you know, if we're Christians, we're supposed to be something that is beyond our, what our culture can, can give us. We're supposed mm. to find strength beyond our culture can give us. And so regardless of if we have political differences or something like that, there should be something different from us. And so if there's nothing different from us than this other group out there, then what good is it? Hmm. It's, if progressive Christians sound just like political progressives in the way they dehumanize other individuals, well, what, why does it matter to be a progressive Christian? Why does just say I'm a progressive and, and my Christianity is just something? That, now, I'm not saying that that's what progressive Christians are doing. I'm just saying that right. whenever they dehumanize others, that's why I tend to think. Hmm. I didn't think, okay, they're just progressives. I mean, their Christianity really doesn't matter that much. And we're just progressives, and this, these are their enemies, and they're going to put them down like dogs. Hmm. Uh, and so that's, that's you know, as someone who is, I would say, kind of in the middle of both, theologically, I'm sort of Christian. Politically, I, I probably agree with you more than disagree. I, there, I know there's things I do disagree with progressives on, but I probably agree more than disagree. Yeah. But in the middle, I, I you know, this is one of the reasons why I probably don't fit, you know, I don't fit with, some of the uh, political agenda I find my concerned friends. Yeah. But I also don't fit with some of uh, what I see in progressive Christians. So I just sort of, that's why I'm a sociologist. I just stay <laughs> in the middle and be the empire, I guess. <laughs> well, the book really is, honestly, I, I recommend it for anyone out there listening who just wants a different perspective that might challenge some of their own views. I think it's important to be challenged. And I think that the book is really well written and it, it does. I mean, for someone again, who's not in academic circles, it is very readable. I was able to track with it. I was able to understand it. And that is, is hard to do to also be academic and also be, you know, for more like pop, the pop general, uh, yeah, we put um, all the nerd stuff in the appendix. So yeah. Yeah. Appendix, well, I stopped yes. there. I'm like appendix. Uh, <laughs> I finished that, you know, <laughs> So what is next for you, George? Like anything on, on your, on your radar for like, I want to study this in social, you know, in social, uh, sociology. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting. I told you that I stopped really looking at race, you know, about 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. Well, last year, I, I believe God called me back and looked at racial issues. I, and part of it was Albury and, 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 yeah. and, and such. So, uh, so I'm actually, I have a book coming out by university press, uh, you know, on, on what I would argue is a Christian approach or dealing with racial issues, but but I do pull from a lot of research out there, and I'm doing some of my own research mm. on this because I want to investigate whether or not there's a better approach than what we've done thus far mm. on racial issues than what we're seeing. So that's kind of my big push at this point. I'm excited to read that. Um, I think a lot of us. Uh, I'll use myself as an example. I know the audience out there probably feels the same way in a lot of in a lot of respects. A lot of us have maybe for the first time really taken a hard and painful look at the way that America has treated you know minority groups, the way that America has treated people like that. And I never really realized it until I hate to, I'm shameful to say until I'm at Arbery. That was the moment where I said something. I don't know what it is, but something's wrong. You know, we I have to yeah. I think a better look at this. And that really, you know, led me down the rabbit hole of just, you know, listening to other voices that I never really listened to before, et cetera. So I'm looking forward to 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 seeing what you come out with because I do feel like um, it's a conversation that 
that the church in general, like all of them, <laughs> all the church needs to yeah. really start taking more seriously um, and start really looking at and, and having some hard conversations, frankly. So I'm looking forward to, to reading that when it comes out because I, I talked to InterVarsity Press. They send me some books sometimes, so I'll, I'll make sure I request that one. <laughs> okay, sounds great. Sounds and then we'll great. get you back on the show. Um, is there anywhere that people can find you? Do you? Are you on social media or is it mainly just through your books? Yeah, I, I you know, I'm a Facebook, Twitter guy. Uh, TikTok, I think I'm just going to leave with you, with you young folks. I, <laughs> I I don't think I can go there. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I do have a website. Uh, it's georgiancy.com. But there's a Georgiancy who spells his name with Audi E. Y A N C Y. That's not me. C E Y. And okay. you can get conf- we get confused all the time because he also writes on racial issues. Oh. So he's a different person. Uh, philosopher. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. I don't have any secret service or anything like that around. Great. Well, I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. And again, I appreciate making time for us and for the community. You offer a lot of things for us to think about and chew on. So thank you for that. Thank you. God bless. You too. That's the sound of me prepping the grill with Reynolds Wrap. And the sound of me not doing dishes. And the sound of me spending more time outside with my family. Easy prep, cook, and clean. Make time with Reynolds Wrap. I like the sound of that.